for this? Are you ready? National treasure. Icon. Nicholas Cage. Debt free, man. Woo! The man has paid off his debts. You know what that means? He can stop taking crap movie roles again. He can start becoming the national icon that he is. Why are you not excited about this? He doesn't need to call Dave Ramsey anymore. He snowballed his way out of debt, man. I mean, the snowball up his nose is part of why he was in debt, but now he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Nicolas Cage is back. His new movie looks good. Have you seen the scenes for it? The the previews for it? Not National Treasure 5. <laughs> Dude, you could do National Treasure 5. It would be all about finding Nicolas Cage. Wouldn't that be great? Because he is. He's a national treasure. The problem is, okay, here's here's the thing. You realize before Nicolas Cage started like doing all of these really bad movies, he was considered an A-list actor in Hollywood, right? And he started doing these really bad movies because the guy was so in debt and he had no money that he had to take every role that was thrown at him. So everybody was able to get a former A-list actor for budget prices, and he put no effort into any of those movies. And they were just absolute garbage, okay? This is why this guy is so great. You go back, though, for those, especially you younglings out there, like you two, you go out there and you watch some of his early stuff. This is a guy who is an Oscar contender, okay? People's Choice Award winner. This dude did some great, great work. Con Air is one of the best movies of all time, okay? Face Off, are you kidding me? Which one? The Rock with Sean Connery, yep. Ed Harris, one of the best movies of all time, too. Massive massive military tactical issues with that movie. <laughs> All of my veterans out there going, eee, that's not how Navy SEALs work. I know, <laughs> okay, but it was a fun movie. But see, this is it. I mean, he was, you know, Face Off is a great flick. Uh, if you've not seen Face Off, great flick with uh, John Travolta, um, who is, or may, or likely is probably a gay pedophile. But John Travolta, Nicolas Cage did a really good movie, Face Off. But that, that was just it. It was like, Nicolas Cage went from doing all of these amazing smash hits, smash hit after smash hit after smash hit, and then all of a sudden he's doing, <laughs> what's that one where he was like a witch and there was bees or something, and he's super overacted it, but he was doing all these really crap movies, and that was because he just, you know, fallen on hard times, and, and his money was gone. I mean, he woke up one day, and his money was just like gone, but he paid off all of his debts, so all of those years of doing these just filth trash movies, he's finally out of it. Uh, people are mentioning Ghost Rider. I wanted to like Ghost Rider because Ghost Rider is one of my favorite comic book characters, guys. I wanted to like it, okay? I desperately wanted to like it, but that was a hot trash movie. <laughs> I wanted to like it. Desperately wanted to like it. Somebody has a question mark after Con Air on the live stream? Leave the live stream right now. Like, you can't, you can't be friends. No, you can't. If you haven't watched Con Air, you, we can't be friends. I'm sorry, we can't. You must watch Con Air, okay? This is this is like required movie watching 101. Like, how could you not watch Con Air? <laughs> it's Nicolas Cage with long, flowing, beautiful hair. How could you not watch Con Air? So he's announced that he is back. He's paid off all of his debts. And in announcing all of this, because he's got this new movie coming out, which, again, it does look really good. He's promoting the unbearable weight of massive talent. That's the name of it. What does he do, first thing? Trashes Disney. Come on. Come on. He trashed Disney. He's your guy, okay? <laughs> this is the man. <laughs> uh, 
I love that even even in the midst of him doing all of these horrible movies that he's become like an American meme. Like you got you got to wear like all of his super crazy faces and stuff like that on pillows and shirts and all of that stuff. But um, it was weird because like his his uh, his last one before this one was actually decent. And it got really good reviews and people are like, hey, he started to make good stuff again. So I'm hoping that he's back. I sincerely hope that he is back. He gave an interview in GQ magazine about all of it, but he confirmed that he's officially finished paying off all of his debts. Uh, he did that about a year and a half ago. He talked about how uh, bad of a hole that he was in financially and what it took for him to come out of it. He says, I got all of these creditors in the IRS and I'm spending $20,000 a month trying to keep my mother out of a mental institution and I can't. That's what he said about all of this. It was just all happening at once. So he owed uh, $6.3 million in property taxes and upwards of $14 million overall to his creditors. So we're talking about a guy who, I mean, that's just a massive amount of cash. It's over $20 million in debt, but he paid it off. Okay. He paid it off. So we're, we're glad. Anytime you got a success story like that, that's, that's fantastic stuff. Um, his new movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, it does feed, feature uh, Pedro Pascal. Uh, Fe- Pedro Pascal is the, the voice of the Mandalorian. <clears throat> he's, um, he's not the guy that actually wears the suit throughout the show all the time. Most of you are going to know him from Narcos, uh, unless you didn't watch Narcos, in which case we probably can't be friends either. Um, you don't have to watch season two. Season two is trash, but season one's great. So this is, you know, he's working with A-list talent again, and, and that's good. So I'm glad that Nicolas Cage is back. I know that some of you don't think it's a big deal, but trust me, it's a big deal. America will get better because Nicolas Cage is back at it. All right, what do we have? Well, we've got a lot. Um, speaking of Disney, since he talked about Disney, we might as well talk a little bit about Disney. Uh, the local news in Orlando, Florida, this is an NBC affiliate in Orlando, decided they were going to cover the Disney employee walkouts. And I wanted to just go ahead and play this for you because... What is that? Was that is that the new phone line? Is the new phone line? We just got new phones installed today. <clears throat> Sorry, Pat. <laughs> We're 15 minutes into this thing. We're apologizing already. <laughs> Cue my audio, please. I would like to play this segment from the local affiliate in Orlando about the massive Disney employee walkout at Disney Orlando. Unclear how many Disney workers actually took part. Westview's Amanda Dukes joins us live from outside Disney. And Amanda, did you see any of them protesting? Well, we did see one protester earlier. You know, we're not able- Yeah, one. There's one guy there. There's one guy. Said trans rights or human rights. Got news for you. The Florida bill doesn't have anything to do with any of that. So it's good to know there's one employee, one person who went out there and protested, made his own sign and everything. Uh, somebody did say that uh, Nicolas Cage peaked at Raising Arizona. Raising Arizona continues to be one of my favorite films of all time. Uh, so if you have not seen Raising Arizona, uh, definitely, definitely check that one out. That's an early Nicolas Cage movie. Man, that thing was great. All right, we got more coming up. Uh, we're going to go over tons of stuff today, folks. Th- th- we're going to get into uh, Idaho teachers bragging about how they get around CRT bans. We're going to get into MSNBC here next on how If you're uh, physically fit, you're a fascist. We'll get into that next coming up. And we're also going to even talk about, is Brittany Griner a political prisoner in Russia? The answer to that is no, but we're going to tell you what the idiots are saying about it anyway. we got more coming up, 95.3 MNC, and also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WOWA, 107.5 FM. Casey Hendrickson. 
95.3 MNC. This hour's business spotlight is on Prime Table Restaurant in Niles. Over 28 years of great food and exceptional service. The Prime Table on 11th Street in Niles. Dan Bongino. Hey, listen, we were nice enough to let you potentially take those masks off. The double mask, even the triple maskers out there. We were nice enough to do that and maybe relax some of those. I wonder if that one person who protested at Disney still has a job. It's it's pretty easy to keep your job if it's like a bunch of you that walk out. But if you're like the one guy, I don't know if you keep your job. I'll be honest with you. We'll have to, we'll have to see how that plays out. All right. So most of you know, um, I, I've COVID jacked up my body. All right. It's there's no there's no other way to say it. Most of you know I'm a little bit heavier now than I than I usually am. Um, but I am down about 22 pounds, um, heading in the right direction. And I'm doing that, of course, with the help of some of my sponsors and some of the other stuff that's coming up that you'll hear about here soon as well. Um, but you know, being healthy and being fit is something that everybody should really strive for. We know that there has been a fat acceptance movement in the United States for some years. And for the record, I don't care. Live your life the way that you want to live your life. All I'm asking is that you not pretend that being 500 pounds is, is good for you. I don't think that that's unreasonable. If you want to be that heavy and you want to live your life that way because that's what makes you happy, please, by all means, live your life the way that you want to live your life. It's not for me to judge, all right? I don't want to be that heavy. I don't want to be as heavy as I am now. I know that most people um, who lose weight feel better and are happier. I don't know a lot of people that are actually happier when they get bigger. Uh, and, and it's not meant to be a slight. It's not meant to be something that is a dig. Uh, you should still love yourself, obviously, even if you are a little bit heavier. It's just that I don't want people to pretend that, you know, being obese is healthy. It's not. And it's not something that people should strive for. Now, with that said, um, the fat acceptance movement has been running around for, for quite some time, and it's been normalizing being unhealthy. And they even tried, was it Cosmo that ran that stupid article uh, in the middle of COVID about uh, the, the, with the overweight I wouldn't even I wouldn't necessarily call them obese, but the overweight models on the front of the magazine and, and they were like, this is what healthy looks like, which, of course, it's not what healthy looks like. And they did that in the middle of covid where we know for a fact that if you're overweight, your chances of dying from covid go up by like 300 percent. OK, so it doesn't didn't make any sense that they would be promoting that sort of thing. The reason that the United States had an issue with covid and some of these other countries didn't is because the United States is not a healthy country. That we have a, a stark difference in people who are fit and people who are not. And there's not a lot of people in the middle, okay? We have you know, very fit people and we have very unfit people. And there's just, there's just not a lot of middle, middle ground. There, maybe there's more than some people would think, but I, I don't know. I, just, I tend to see it as one extreme or the other. But we had a major issue with COVID because of that. That is the number one comorbidity that was causing people to die from COVID. And in the middle of that, instead of having this very easy discussion of, hey, COVID is taking people out who are overweight, lose weight. You're at home now. You don't have an excuse of, of the schedule. Yeah, your gym is probably closed, but guess what? Here's what you can do at home. Was there a public relations campaign coming from any government about that? No. Uh, any PSAs about that? Absolutely not. All we got is big is beautiful, fat is healthy. No, it isn't. Okay? It's, it's not. 
And there's no reason to pretend that it is. Be happy with who you are because your lifestyle makes you happy, but let's not lie about it. So the reason I bring this up, <clears throat> there's an article here from, um, well, hold on a second. Where's the other one? Because there's, there's a couple of, of them that just popped up. MSNBC has an op-ed, okay? MSNBC had an op-ed which claims that fascism is central to being physically fit. So we've gone from stop bullying me. I'm allowed to be big and beautiful and, and I'm, I'm just as healthy as you are. I can't go up the stairs, but I'm just as healthy as you are being big. And now we're just going to really ramp that rhetoric up by just calling anybody who's not morbidly obese a fascist. Is that where we're going with this? Yeah, apparently, according to MSNBC, uh, MSNBC op-ed is getting viciously slammed online for claiming that fitness has been co-opted by the far right and that working out is central to fascism. Okay, I don't know what the propensity for uh, health was with fascist states. I have no idea. All right, I know that Mussolini was fat, but I, I honestly, I don't know. No, no idea. American University studying polarizing and extremism wrote that the far right has, has taken advantage of the pandemic trend of at-home fitness to further expand its radicalization efforts. She cited research on alleged fascist fitness chats where young men were lured into communities to discuss fitness only to be inundated with fascist messaging later on. Now, the first thing you should probably know is... What is fascist messaging? And I don't know that they actually define that because, I mean, fascist messaging could be very specific. We get it from the Democratic Party every day of our lives. That's all fascist messaging. We're going to talk about Biden bucks a little bit later on. That's fascist messaging. But fascism is a left-wing ideology. It's not a right-wing ideology at all. Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. You see what they just did there? Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. Will somebody let Arnold Schwarzenegger know that he is a fascist? Let's see how he and his Nazi roots with his family deal with that. After all, he is the guy telling the Russian troops to go home. The Russian troops say they're fighting fascism. Hey, it fits. Physical fitness has always been central to the far right. Wow. Uh, you know, you realize what's happened here. It, you know, all of these vegans and the health culture and the organic food and the whole foods crowd and everything else that are running around talking about how, oh, you got to eat healthy and lose weight and all that stuff. You realize that they're all fascists now, according to the, the radical left. I, I know that we're talking about food here, but this is the radical left eating the radical left. They actually quote Mein Kampf. In Mein Kampf, Hitler fixated on boxing and jujitsu. The intersection of extremism and fitness leans into a shared obsession with the male body training, masculinity, testosterone, strength, and competition. Isn't it a bit ironic to be having the discussion while they're lionizing Leah Tom Tom is it Thomas? Leah Thomas? A biological male swimmer. She also uh, said that fitness appeals to right-wing extremists for many reasons, including embracing solidarity, heroism, and brotherhood. Okay, community is bad now. I thought this was the whole, it takes a village to raise your kid crowd. Interesting stuff. 
Only in the second to last paragraph did she acknowledge that working out is also a positive activity for many non-fascists as well. <laughs> in the, it's only in the final paragraph. That <laughs> Here's the thing. This actually isn't anything new. If you go back, there's been articles. They were just dismissed as the crazy ramblings of lunatics like they really were. There's articles going back several years about how all of these uh, online communities that will help people get fit, you know, these message forms and things like that, which, look, anytime you run into an app or something like that, which will provide workout routines and, and that sort of stuff, there's a community associated with it. You know why? Because research shows that if there is a community around you while you're exercising, you're more likely to succeed while exercising than just doing it on your, on your own. That's why having a workout partner is so important. Because you may not want to go to the gym that day, but you will go because your partner will be going. That's the point. You, you can't, you don't want to tell them no because you don't want to damage their journey. Whereas if you're the one that goes to the gym, it's really easy, and, and I know this firsthand, it's really easy for you to just tell yourself, ah, I'm going to sleep in today. So it's, there's community involved. But what they're basically saying is you get into this community and what you start getting is you start getting this fascist messaging. And of course, I don't know what fascist messaging even is. I doubt that there's a lot of people praising the virtues of the Reich or anything like that. Uh, I pro you probably don't find a whole lot of people praising socialist ideas either. But this is one of those things that, that Rush Limbaugh used to talk about with football and sports and athletics. You know, there is competition and there is beating your opponent. And these are things that tend to be character traits of people on the right. Um, there's personal responsibility. I failed my assignment. As a result of me failing my assignment, this play was successful or this play was not successful. And there's that ownership of your responsibilities that plays into all of this. And the left doesn't take ownership of anything that they do. It's always somebody else's fault, which is why Joe Biden is pretending that it's Vladimir Putin who's responsible for inflation and gas prices that were all at record highs before Putin invaded Ukraine. So just so you know, if you're physically fit, you're a fascist. Even if you're a liberal, you're a fascist, according to MSNBC. MNC News Time is 3.32. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime at ImpressJewelers.com. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller today and tomorrow on 1190 WOWO, 1075 FM. I want to thank the Fort Wayne audience for joining us. If you would like to watch the video live stream of the show, you can go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. And you can hit that subscribe button, hang out with us. I would appreciate it. Rumble subscribers, um, you, it just if the video wasn't processed before I had to come downstairs, I told people in the early show today that there's going to be a contest that's going to be launched here for Rumble subscribers uh, for our stream sponsors. So looking forward to that. So look for that video uh, by tomorrow. And you have to be a subscriber on Rumble to be able to win. So go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. All right, Biden bucks. What are Biden bucks? Well, Biden bucks are the devil. 
So the Democrats have hit upon a simple way to end inflation. Why not give every American a $100 check every month to offset the inflation that their policies caused in the first place? And this is what is so interesting about all of this. We go back to the, and I talked about about this a lot more in the uh, early show today. If you missed it, you can watch that video after we're done here. But if you if you go back into the, the pandemic and there's at one point in time, you know, they started sending these stimulus checks to families and that sort of thing, you know, they never should have shut the economy down. But when they shut the economy down and you weren't allowed to go to work and you weren't allowed to earn a living, the government had to do something. The moment government started reopening, there was no reason whatsoever for them to continue to send you money. And the Biden administration did that with the child tax credit. Uh, so, like, for instance, my family was getting like $600 a month. Some of you were getting a little bit less than that. Some of you are getting a little bit more. So this was all designed, again, to just keep this whole, we're giving you free stuff going. Now, when you do your taxes, you'll understand it's not free, but I digress. This is all designed to create basically a universal basic income. And a universal basic income is where you get paid for simply being alive, right? This has been studied to the hilt. Universal basic income does not work. Everywhere they study it, they find out that production goes down, inflation goes up. Universal basic income is not a hedge against inflation. It causes it. If you have everybody in the country getting $1,000 free from the federal government every single month, guess what? Landlords know you got an extra 1000 bucks. Car places know you got an extra 1000 bucks. Everywhere knows you have an extra $1,000 now. Prices go up. Causes inflation. It's been shown in all of the research. They keep running into it over and over and over again. So they're now saying, because the price of gas is going through the roof, they want to send you... Kamala Harris basically said that it was going to be a debit card that they were going to give to you, and then they were going to load the debit card every single month with 100 bucks for your gas. Well... You wouldn't have gas prices the way that they are if you didn't attack the oil and gas industry from the first day that you were in office. And that is exactly what he did. And no, they're not producing more oil now than they did under the Trump administration. That's a lie. You're still producing less oil than you did in 2019 and 2020. And 2020 was producing less oil than 2019. 2019 just happened to be a boom year. But that production went down the moment that Joe Biden got into office. And I went back and I gave you a thorough history of all of this. And I read you the headlines from those stories going back past couple of years, highlighting how they were reducing production of oil and and increasing uh, imports from oil. They doubled the imports from Russia. Russia became the number two oil supplier to the United States, something they'd never been before. And I told you early on that there was going to be very pro-Russia energy policies coming from the Biden administration. And that's exactly what we got. So now we're in this, this whole other thing. And it's, it's getting quite ridiculous with this. They're, they're talking about $100. There's a debit card scheme for the gas. They're talking about a $100 check uh, for gas prices now. They haven't figured out exactly what they're going to do. But here's the other thing. They want to give you $100 a month for every kid that you have. So all of your kids, they're going to get you 100 bucks too. You got a bunch of kids. You're talking about $500 now for some families. When you start getting into the gas and the, uh, the kids, next thing you know, Are you going to vote for somebody who tries to take that away from you? A lot of people wouldn't. This is a giant scheme. Don't fall for this. It's it's just a way for a master to create a slave. You got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, 107.5 FM.
Okay. I will admit this. Maybe Notre Dame's the real deal if the other half of the team is allowed to play. I'm just, I'm just saying. Casey Hendrickson here on 95.3 MNC, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190 WOWA 107.5 FM. <laughs> uh, see, Fort Wayne didn't hear me do the, the live read for, for FanDuel, right? I mentioned that Notre Dame is not in the Sweet 16. <laughs> what? In, in Fort Wayne, are they Notre Dame fans? I don't think so. I think they're Purdue fans, so they're totally used to losing. <clears throat> Sorry, Pat. <laughs> I guess I'm not limiting it to just one per show. I have no idea what they're fans of in Notre Dame. I mean, I know that they're local sports. They're big fans of their local sports, big supporters of their local sports in Fort Wayne. But I don't know what college teams they root for over there. I don't know all of them. I'm from Vegas. I've got no loyalty to anybody. <laughs> oh, man. Um, <clears throat> it's good because the hate mail that I get from Notre Dame fans is just, it's outrageous. It's absolutely outrageous. I love it. But they won't, they won't come to terms with the fact that you have to play the other half of the team or else your players are going to get tired. So now I will say this though, um, the starting lineup for Notre Dame basketball, when they get to the NBA, they're going to be really in good condition. So they're going to be in much better condition than most of the other NBA players. So that's probably why coach Bray does it. I don't know. All right. <sighs> what do we have here? Um, I did go into this just a little bit on the early show today. I don't want to, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it now. I uh, just want to give you a little bit of the background here. Um, Wisconsin Supreme court, had ruled before the election that you were not allowed to fill out an absentee ballot and mail your ballot in in that state without proving who you were. Okay, the state of Wisconsin has very specific rules for absentee ballots and mail-in ballots. You have to prove who you are. So you've got to provide some kind of an identity to be able to do that. There's a very limited exception in the state of Wisconsin. And in the state of Wisconsin, you have to have a permanent disability. Basically, you have to be bedridden. The Democrats tried to argue in Wisconsin, and they went through the courts, and there was this big legal battle over it. They tried to argue that because of COVID, you would qualify for this exemption to not prove who you were to be able to vote. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court said, no, that's a bunch of crap. You're going to prove who you are unless you are in these already accepted categories. COVID is not an excuse. COVID measures is not an excuse. COVID lockdowns are not an excuse. You're required to prove who you are if you're going to vote in the state of Wisconsin when you mail your ballot in, okay? So the Democrats lost that Supreme Court case in Wisconsin. So then what ended up happening is over 200,000 more mail-in ballots got sent in on election day, well, around election day for the 2020 election. So those ballots got mailed in. And in those ballots, there was like 210 or 213,000, something like that, extra ballots that provided no identification for who those people were. So one of two things happened. Either there's over 200,000 new people in the state of Wisconsin that now qualify to send in a ballot without proving who they are versus all of the historic norms or 200,000 people sent in an illegal ballot. So the Wisconsin Supreme court had a ruling where they said 
Now, this is the court that said it before the election was certified. The Wisconsin Supreme Court said, we think that there is a a serious issue with over 200,000 ballots in the state, and the legislature should take a look at it. So that's what the, the Wisconsin Supreme Court said. Now, this is why I've always told you, Wisconsin was always the most interesting state when it came to potential ballot fraud and and things like that with the 2020 election. And that is the one state that you could clearly say Vice President Pence could not have certified or should not have certified. In fact, the legislature in Wisconsin specifically asked him not to certify the state until they could go through and verify what the Wisconsin Supreme Court had said. And he chose to flip them off and say, I don't care. I'm going to certify it anyway. Now, the reason I'm bringing this up is what did we find out? We ended up finding out that there was massive voter fraud in the state of Wisconsin, which involved ballot harvesting, which is a crime there with their nursing homes. So in the state of Wisconsin, you are required by law. If you fill out your ballot, you have to be the one to turn it in. You can't give it to a third party and have them turn it in. So we found out these nursing homes, remember, there's a sheriff who did his own investigation on this in Wisconsin and found out that there was massive voter fraud, 95 to 100 percent of all retirement communities were casting ballots. Guess what never happens in any other election? Exactly. Some of the places that had 100% participation in the election had large numbers of residents who were not legally allowed to vote. So how does that work? So what they ended up finding out is there was massive ballot harvesting, which is a crime in the state of Wisconsin. Now, it's legal in California. It's legal in some other states, but it's a crime in Wisconsin. So this has become a major issue. Not only is the Wisconsin Supreme Court saying we got an issue with over 200,000 ballots, which would easily flip the state. What's the state? Was it like 9,000 or something like that was the difference? Um, So it would easily flip the state if that favored Trump in in how you win it. And I'm not saying that you, you throw Biden out of office. That can't happen, okay? It cannot happen. But in the state of Wisconsin, there is now um, a new new lawsuit. So the RNC and GOP groups have asked the Wisconsin Supreme Court to affirm a lower court ruling against ballot harvesting in the state of Wisconsin. So the National Republican Committee, the RNC, and two other GOP groups have filed a joint amicus brief on this. And they are asking that the Supreme Court uphold the lower court ruling that ballot harvesting is in fact a crime, which it's already registered that way in in the state. But they continue to play these weird games with the law in order to try and find some kind of a loophole to allow this type of illegal ballot harvesting. And it's voter fraud is what it is, folks. Uh, Ballot harvesting is voter fraud. I don't know how else to say it. It is what it is. Okay. And I'm willing to bet that if the Wisconsin Supreme Court had been listened to and had gone back in the state, had gone back and looked at those 200,000 plus people, I bet they would have found a lot of fraudulent people who had cast an illegal ballot and that ballot was counted. And those ballots should have been tossed out. And however the legitimate votes fell in the state of Wisconsin, that's where the state should have gone in that presidential election, not the way that it did. Maybe Trump still loses the state. I don't know. But generally speaking, we found that the mail-in ballots favored Biden by large large margins, uh, while in-person voting favored Trump by large margins, which is typically how things work in elections anyway. Uh, And that held up through the 2020 election. We already know that in Pennsylvania, illegal ballots were counted. We already know that there was fraud in in, uh, Clark County, Nevada, which is my home. Uh, My my original home, obviously, I live in Indiana now. Uh, So we already know that there's massive issues with Arizona. And we know that the discrepancies in all of those states would have been enough to flip said state. Not saying that it would have flipped the state. I'm saying it would have been enough ballots to flip the state. 
So keep an eye on Wisconsin. Uh, this is, again, a very interesting legal battle. But Wisconsin has always been the biggest question mark in this election beyond any other state. And a lot of people want to talk about Michigan and everything else. I just don't think that there was there's enough evidence, um, physical evidence, to overturn what happened in Michigan. But in Wisconsin, yeah, maybe. More coming up. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Also covering for Pat Miller today and tomorrow on News Talk 1190 WOA, 107.5 FM. want to thank the Fort Wayne audience for joining us. Don't forget that you can watch the live stream and you can go over to rumble.com slash Casey the host, C-A-S-E-Y, rumble.com slash Casey the host. All right, so Holcomb has having himself, um, well, I don't really, I don't know how how to phrase it. Holcomb sucks. I think most of you know that I think that Holcomb sucks. Uh, for those of you in Fort Wayne who don't think Holcomb sucks, I'm sorry, you're not very well informed. Um, he sucks, okay? He's, he's a terrible governor. He's fiscally responsible. I will give him that, but he sucks. He's, he's probably not even fun to be around. I mean, he certainly wasn't when I had him on my show. But he's done a couple of things. We talked about constitutional carry. He only did constitutional carry because he wants to run for Senate. And he desperately wants to pretend that he is a pro-Constitution candidate. He's not. He opposed constitutional carry. I know that you all know that. I know the people on my show know that. I know the Fort Wayne audience knows that because I know Kayla was telling all of you about it. He is anti-Second Amendment. Okay? And if you're not for constitutional carry, you're anti-Second Amendment. There is no in-between. That includes Mr. Carter with the Indiana State Police. But he did, he did allow for paper backups of all voting machines. And I have to give him credit on that because that was the right move. Okay? So Holcomb signed the bill requiring paper backups for all voting machines. That is the right call. So he gets credit there. But as you all know, he decided that he wasn't going to protect women's sports either. And there's a lot of folks out there who do not understand the biology of this. And you can be forgiven for not understanding the biology of all of this. All I've ever asked anybody to do when they're talking about transgender athletes is to actually take five minutes and just look at it. And they won't. Because it shatters some preconceived notion or something else. Okay? Leah Thomas has a massive unfair advantage over her competition. The second place finish, the second place swimmer, broke the women's record and still lost by three seconds. So just take a second there and just in your brain, let that emanate. Okay? The second place finisher 
broke the woman's record and still lost by three seconds. Now, Curtis Hill, the former attorney general, he lives in these parts, for those of you who don't know. He wrote an article in The Federalist. It says, Eric Holcomb's wokeness is especially loud as his veto falls just days after one of the biggest controversies in women's amateur athletics. The title of the article in The Federalist is Indiana's Republican governor loves women's sports, he just won't protect them. Great title by Curtis Hill, by the way. It would be easy not to venture into a controversy over transgender anything and just pretend that the matter is of little consequence. In our culture, some feel that a man living as a woman or a woman living as a man shouldn't matter to others. And maybe they're right, but truth matters, and that's what Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb got wrong. I was on Lars Larson's nationally syndicated show last night to talk about this very issue. This is, when you look at the bill, 1041, okay? 1041 was four pages long. There was half a page that you actually had to read to know what the law did. And it was crystal clear. There was no ambiguity. There was no confusion, uh, as the governor tried to say. And then, he, oh, we're going to get sued. You're going to get sued for anything. I got news for you. If you don't want to be sued, then you shouldn't be in politics. You certainly shouldn't be trying to become a senator, as Holcomb is trying to do. We used to have a saying that this would make somebody spineless. But in the case of Eric Holcomb, it makes him chinless. We all know that. You're going to pass laws. They're going to sue you. That's what's going to happen. So here's what Holcomb should have done. He should have signed the thing. He should have taken the lawsuit. He should have let the Attorney General, Todd Rokita, argue that case and force them to provide science in a court of law that there's no competitive advantage for a biological male competing in high school and collegiate athletics. Guess what they can't do? Because every single speck of the research shows there's a biological advantage. There isn't any research that exists that shows the opposite. Not one. Do you realize if you have a male athlete who has lower than average testosterone and goes on hormone therapy to reduce his testosterone to bring it down to female levels so they can compete as a female athlete, do you realize that after a year of that therapy, they still have more testosterone than those women will ever have in their entire life? So I've, I've been telling you this from the very beginning. If you're going to allow this, you have to allow the female athletes to do steroids because it's the only way that they can even get close to the competition. And even then, even then, if they abuse steroids, most of them are still never going to get to the, the natural testosterone levels of a transitioning biological male. That's just a reality. I went over all of the scientific research. We were talking about the Olympic powerlifter. And I know that there's a lot of people who haven't done that. Curtis Hill goes on, in vetoing House Bill 1041, a bill to ensure female athletes would not be required to compete against males in female sporting events, Holcomb is unwilling to stand up to protect the integrity of women's sports, although he claims to support the integrity of women's sports. Curtis Hill then asks this question, come on, Governor, which is it? I noticed that the Indiana Athletic Association didn't weigh in on this argument until it was done, then they praised Holcomb and they said, kids just want to play with their friends. Kids can play with their friends in co-ed leagues. We are talking about people who are competing for real money, real scholarships, and you're screwing with their futures. And that's not okay. 
in a letter to the Speaker of the, of the Indiana House explaining his rejection of the popular legislation, Holcomb emitted a winding rationale for canceling the GOP-sponsored bill, citing uncertainty in the process, his fear of potential lawsuits, and most notably his feeling that boys wanting to compete against girls is not yet a thing worthy of legislation in Indiana, which is ridiculous because we do have biological males competing against females in Indiana in the high school levels and in the collegiate levels. We have that right now. I know some of them in my community that are doing it. And the sponsor of the bill knows them in their community, but they're minors. We're not going to out them, but it is happening. So Holcomb just chose like he always does to run away from a fight because he's a coward. No chin, no vote. Don't trust a man who doesn't have a chin. Ask him to shave that bad boy. See, see what happens. Remember, remember the days when he didn't have the beard hiding the fact that he didn't have a chin. Don't trust him. Got more coming up. 95.3 MNC and covering for Pat Miller. Sorry, Pat. <clears throat> we're, at, we're at three now. On Newstalk 1190, Wawa 107.5 FM. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. <sighs> oh, man. I, just, I, I, can't, I, I can't help it. I'm sorry. Uh, I, you know, look, here's the deal. Um, for those of you who are on the Indiana side of the border, okay, you're on the Michigan side of the border. I don't know what else to tell you. You, you need to start an insurgency. Okay. You're you're in the People's Republic of of Herr Whitler and she's a tyrant. All right. Just do what you can to protect yourself and your family. On the Indiana side of the border, stop electing squishy purple Republicans and start electing people who will fight. I was in this conversation a couple of weeks ago with somebody. And they were saying, Well, you know, it's a red state. So it's like, you know, Republicans don't have to do much and everything else. And you're right. That's that's true. You know what else is a red state? Nevada. My home. Nevada is a red, red state. Deep libertarian state. Hated socialism. Hated communism. Hated California and California policies. Despised them. Where are they now? They're a deep blue state. Well, Clark County is deep blue and Clark County controls the entire state. When I tell you that the tactics of this Republican Party in the state of Indiana will lose the state, I'm not joking. I've seen it before. And I know that there's a lot of you listening to this right now, and you're going, nah, there's no way. No, Indiana's always been red. Uh Uh-uh, there's a lot of states that were always red who went blue. And what is Indiana doing? Indiana is courting People from blue states are courting businesses and their employees from blue states. What do they bring with them? Blue policies. I have seen this strategy play out before. When you are weak and you constantly cede ground, particularly on education, as Republican governors in this state have been doing excessively. 
Why is it that all of these Republican governors always appoint radical leftists to the Department of Education? Why is that? Shouldn't that be a question that you all ask yourself? Look at the educational problems that the state has been dealing with because of this. Look at the power and the influence of the American Federation of Teachers in the state of Indiana. And then ask yourself, why is it that Republican governor after Republican governor after Republican governor continues to support people and appoint people who support the teachers unions? And the teachers unions don't support teachers and the teachers unions don't support kids. That's not what they're in the business to do. But I'm telling you right now, I have seen this play out in deep red states before that flip blue. You watch squishy purple Republicans continue to seed ground, seed ground, seed ground, and then eventually, after angering their base enough, their base doesn't show up for an election or two, Democrats take over. I have seen it over and over again. And I watched the same strategy play out in the state of Indiana, and I'm telling you, you're headed towards dark times. I'm not telling you it's two years, I'm not telling you it's four years, but I've watched it play out elsewhere. I've been in this business for over 16 years. And I have watched deep red state after deep red state suddenly turn purple, then turn blue. This is what you get with the Brian Bosma-like Republican Party in the state of Indiana. They're not conservative. They're barely Republican. You know, being fiscally responsible, it's a good thing, okay? Managing your money decently is a good thing. But there's a lot more to being conservative than that. And you don't even have to be ultra right-wing conservative, okay? You don't even have to be like my wing of conservatism. You don't have to be, but you've got to at least not be a fence-sitter. And if you can't trust the governor of the state to defend basic science, which we can't. Holcomb has been wrong about COVID. When he got proven wrong, he just doubled down because his pride was hurt because he embarrassed himself and went out there and told you all he beat COVID with his mask mandate. And then there was a surge of Delta variant. So he got butt hurt about being wrong about that. You just had Eric Holcomb say the other day, until you start injecting your four-year-olds with the vaccine, I'm going to keep the, uh, the COVID stuff in place because I want my $40 million a month from the federal government. That's not somebody's putting your kids. You're not putting your kids first. The stuff that's happened with education in this state under his administration and previous ones didn't put your kids first. Not defending women's sports. Ensuring that female athletes in the state of Indiana have a, a fair competition when they compete. That's not, the, that's not putting your kids first. Campaigning on raising the gas taxes because Indiana has crumbling infrastructure. Passing the gas taxes with a bunch of purple Republican grins talking about raising your gas taxes. And then, what is it, a week or two weeks? He gave his first state of the state address, and what did he say? He said infrastructure in the state of Indiana was the envy of the Midwest. Remember that? That was his first state of the state after he campaigned on raising your gas taxes. Guess, guess what the price of gas would be right now in the state of Indiana if he didn't raise your gas taxes? Maybe not 235, but a lot less, Josh. Josh said 235 is a guess. I haven't done the math. A lot less. <laughs> 
But why did he do it? He did it. He campaigned on, we need to raise the gas taxes because our infrastructure is crumbling. Our infrastructure is in such disarray that we have, we have to raise the gas taxes. Then they raised the gas taxes, and they all had that big old poo-eating grin on their face while they did it. And then he went up in front of the entire state and said, our infrastructure is the envy of the nation. Well, which one is it, Eric? Is it a crumbling infrastructure that requires a tax, tax hike to fix? Or was it the envy of, of the, the Midwest? Which one was it? He lied to you. That's all there is to it. He lied on my show when I interviewed him as a candidate. He lied on everybody else's show when he was interviewed as a candidate. He's lied consistently throughout his entire, entire time in office. I don't know what else to tell you. One of the reasons that you all listen to me is I don't care about the stupid cocktail parties or making friends. So I'm telling you right now, Eric Holcomb betrayed your trust. Eric Holcomb was selected by the Republican Party in Indiana in that really weird little gimmicky game of musical chairs that they played. Because he was a guy that could be controlled by them. That's what it was. And that's what the Republican Party in the state of Indiana has been doing to you for a long time. I've been in the state for over a decade. It has been consistent. I used to get in a lot of trouble when I would come onto my show and I would go, you don't have a conservative Republican Party here. Your party's not red. Your party's purple. And people used to get so mad. No, no, we're deeply conservative in Indiana. Well, the people are. The problem is, is that the Republican Party isn't. They don't represent you. Why is it so difficult when you have a gubernatorial race in this state? Why is it so difficult for you to see massive rifts between the Democrat and the Republican candidate? Why do you think that is? Go back and look at the debates. There's some issues, yeah. But why is it so difficult to see massive rifts in their ideology? Why do you think that is? You think... Do you think there's a reason the Democrats keep running candidates that sound like they're Republican? Do you think that's interesting? I certainly do. I'm telling you right now, I have watched this play out before. You are in danger of losing your state if the Republican Party doesn't start behaving. And the House is doing a good job, by the way. The House is doing a decent job. I'm going to give them credit. The Indiana GOP in the Senate side? Man, you guys suck. Bad. Bad. You're horrible. Awful. Indiana Senate? You Republicans in the Indiana Senate? Terrible. You could honestly vote almost everybody out. And it would it would be better to have a clean sweep almost. There's a few people that are worth keeping around, but holy smokes. MNC News Time is 431. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. All right, I dug it up because my OCD got the best of me. Are you ready for this? The state of Indiana imposes a 32 cent per gallon gasoline tax, and it is climbing every year. Thank you, Holcomb. And you purpley Republicans. 32 cents per gallon in the state of Indiana, 18.4 cents per gallon for the federal tax. And Indiana is one of 16 states that has a 7% sales tax on the sale of gasoline. So every single time that you go to the gas station and you fill up, you remind yourself that the state of Indiana is taking twice as much from you as the federal government is in taxes on that gallon of gas. You just remember that. 
I know. The crumbling infrastructure, which is somehow the envy of the Midwest. Stop voting for people who lie to you. I mean it. Start primarying these people. All right. <clears throat> I got to talk about Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner. Um, the, I've been avoiding the story, but it just continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And everybody is asking if she's a political prisoner because of the conflict in Ukraine. She's not. Um, idiots say that. We don't really care what their opinion is. She's a WNBA star, Brittany Griner. Uh, she is the bane of Notre Dame basketball when she was at Baylor. She's been in Russian custody since February after Russian Federal Customs Service officials searched her luggage at an airport near Moscow, saying that they found a vape cartridge, well, several, containing hashish oil. For those of you who do not know, it is illegal in Russia. So TASS, a Russian state news agency, which you're not allowed to hear here in the United States because, you know, propaganda and stuff, reported that a Moscow court made the decision to extend Griner's attention, uh, detention, excuse me, meaning that the WNBA player will spend at least the next two months detained by Russian authorities. Now, there's been a bunch of politicians and things like that. I think Sheila Jackson Lee is her uh, congressional representative, and she's out there going, this is because of Ukraine. She's a political prisoner. No, she's not. Brittany Griner is just stupid. And anybody running around and saying that she's a political prisoner, you're not very bright either. Okay? She broke the law. And here's the thing. I don't want to get into this situation where it's just because we're Americans, we're not going to respect the laws of other countries. Okay, Brittany Griner goes to Russia to play basketball every single year in their leagues there, and she's been doing it for several years. She knows what the law is. This isn't some lost tourist who didn't know what was going on. She's been going there for several years to play. She knows this stuff is illegal there. Why is she bringing it with her? If I were to ask you a list of countries that you do not want to go to jail in, I'm willing to bet in the top five, Russia's probably there. I think a lot of you would probably have Russia in your top five, right? We understand some Central and South American countries probably worse, but I'm willing to bet a lot of you would have Russia top five. So maybe don't mess around with their legal system over there. Especially since there is tension right now between the two countries because, you know, propaganda and stuff. What we're being told is that she was returning from a FIBA basketball tournament, a qualifier for the World Cup, back into Moscow. Uh, back into Moscow. This is Aaron Solomon, the chief legal analyst of Esquire Digital. The season had already begun, so we should believe we should believe that to be true. Supposedly, she had vape pens with, as you said, uh, "quote unquote" hashish oil. She's got dope, guys. She's got dope. Okay. And, you know, if you want to do dope, that's cool. Uh, you can go across the state lines. You can do this. If you're on the Indiana border, you can go to Michigan. You can do it. All right? You, you can't do it here. You can't do it in Russia. And if you want to be a dopehead and be a professional athlete, that's fine. Live in a state where it's legal to do it. The charges are of the amount that it would uh, be trafficable. And if you pull up the Russian code, which I did earlier today, um, the amount that she had on her could get her 10 years in prison. And you, Russia actually has very lenient, low-quantity sentencing. 
So where you could you could be dealing with weeks, maybe a couple of months for personal use stuff. She brought so much over that she's potentially considered a trafficker. And they could give her 10 years. Now they've extended her. They're not going to do that, but they've they've extended it. But that's how much she brought over there. And again, just for anybody out there who's thinking that, you know, Brittany Griner, oh, this is just because the United States and Russia are at odds over Ukraine and everything else. If you think that's the case, it's not. She knows what she's doing. She plays in that tournament every single year. She plays basketball in Russia every year. She's invited to play. She's been doing it for several years, and she knows the law, and yet she chose to ignore it and chose to try and smuggle drugs into Ukraine. Now, even if you're like, I don't consider Hashish oil drugs. Okay, that's fine. The Russians do. So she's been doing uh, she's been doing this for seven years. That's I thought it was like six or seven years, but yeah, seven years she's been playing in in Russia for all of this. But naturally, everybody's running around. Oh, she's a political prisoner because of Ukraine. This has nothing to do with Ukraine. She broke the law, guys. Stop crying for people who break the law in other countries when they get caught. I expect when they come here that they obey my laws, and if they don't, I want them arrested. I want them charged. I think most of you are on board with that, uh, though there will be a certain segment of you in the audience who are not on board with that if they come across the southern border. You don't care about that law. You don't care about all of the people that they will hurt, like the 170,000 of them waiting to cross the southern border right now. For reference, that is more than somebody mentioned this a couple of days ago. There's 170,000 migrants at the southern border right now that are waiting to come across the border when the Trump rule that was issued during COVID for immediate uh, expulsion from the country expires. 170,000 people. That is more than landed at D-Day. I want you to think about that for just a second. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, WoWo 107.5 FM. Save 10%. A good question came through on the Discord server. Do you agree with diplomatic immunity? No, I don't. Uh, I don't like diplomatic immunity for felonious crimes, maybe misdemeanors. Um, I realize that it has its place and it helps spies and that sort of thing. But uh, generally speaking, no, I do not approve of diplomatic immunity. Uh, when you have people who get who kill other people and get away with it, no, I have, I have a serious problem with that. Uh, I desperately do. And that has happened many times in this country's history. Not okay with it. Uh, whatsoever, but good question. A recent national study showed how the effects of the pandemic still linger for many students. We are seeing, uh, were there signs of stabilization? Yes, there are. That's according to Gene Kearns, Chief Academic Officer at Renaissance Learning, Inc. This is in a Wall Street Journal article. This uh, goes out there for the uh, Eric Holcomb fans out there, since Eric Holcomb continues to push COVID restrictions in spite of them being utterly unscientific. He added, however, that the results are not back to pre-pandemic rates. There are not signs of a recovery if you define that as getting back to where we were performing before all of this. In other words, what they're saying is because of politicians and public health officials who lied to you, let's not mince words anymore. They lied to you because of that. And there's stupid restrictions, which were not based on any evidence 
or any sound science whatsoever, they damaged your children's education and kids have not recovered. Really is that simple. There might be several groups of kids that don't ever recover. I don't know. I certainly hope that that isn't the case. Most of the time, you can find that kids can recover in, um, particularly when you're talking about like early learning, because that you know pre-K learning and stuff like that, you have no benefits beyond second grade. Democrats love pushing that, um, but you don't. You don't have any benefits beyond second grade for that. You see some early, uh, early growth, but after second grade, all of those gains are completely lost. So hopefully, within two years, everybody kind of gets back to where they're supposed to be. That should be a goal. Whether it actually happens or not, I guess we'll find out. I don't know what that means for the older, the older kids out there who are, you know, in junior high school and, and things like that. Uh, I'm not really sure. I'm going to assume that high schoolers are self-efficient and are able to catch up on their own. Renaissance looked at test results from kids across the country. The group explained that the sample consisted of students at schools where star computer adaptive assessments were being used during both the 2020 and 2021 and 2021 and 2022 school years. The sample included students from 50 state plus the D.C. area with 4.4 million K-12 students comprising the early literacy reading sample and 2.9 million grade 1 through 12 student comprising the math sample. So we are talking about large swaths of data here. This is a very good sample size. With regard to math, the survey found that the nationwide percentage of students at or above the benchmark went down 2% when contrasting the winter of the 2021-2022 school year and 2020-2021 school year winter. The same percentage decrease was seen in literacy levels. The journal also noted fall to winter growth, however, improved this school year and the gulf in scores from last year to this year shrank by winter. The group also tracks student growth percentile, which is the SGP level, uh, which is similar to the percentile measurements tracking child's weight and height, with 50 marking the typical person. So if you get a, a rank of 50, that's your average person, okay? Nationwide, the median fell to winter SGP level for math from 2021 to 2022 school year compared to the year prior is 50. It's up three points uh, for reading. It is also up three points and sits at 48 for the entire country. To return entirely to pre-pandemic measurements, the number needs to be over 50 persistently per Renaissance, according to Renaissance, the Renaissance of the group. Okay, So we've stabilized a little bit, which is pretty good because we're dealing with what basically one school year. Okay, uh, We've stabilized, but we still haven't returned to pre-pandemic levels for math or reading. We're struggling. Our students are struggling as a result. And some of that could be putting the stupid face diaper on your, on your head, which doesn't do anything in spite of what anybody wants to tell you. I've already given you every single scientific study that's ever been done on face masks. Okay. There isn't a public health official in this state or any other state that can argue against me on that period. End of story. It's on the NIH website. I've given it to you a million times. The pandemic not only disrupted children's learning by forcing students to transition to remote schooling, but the requirement of mask wearing is also considered by some to have affected the speech development of young children. We've talked about this an awful lot. Uh, the other thing that we have to discuss here as a sidebar, the emotional issues with students. 
And I know that our community is reeling because we just lost a 12-year-old. And you have to wonder how much of the pandemic measures that Eric Holcomb pushed on everybody may have affected her psyche. Out of the students who went to programs at the Institute of Reading and Development, a literacy organization, around 49% of those going into first grade this year were reading at a level below what was expected. Before the pandemic, that number was 28%. That is a massive, massive decrease. So before the pandemic, 28% would go in there and not be able to read at the level that they're supposed to, but now it's 49%. Going way in the wrong direction. Earlier this month, the New York Times reported on this year's reading emergency, noting that multiple studies revealed how these students in lower grades are not performing as well in reading as they were prior to the pandemic. While literacy was already an issue before the coronavirus pandemic, the complications surrounding school shutdowns likely made it significantly worse. And again, friendly reminder to Eric Holcomb and his ilk, the French studied this in the opening weeks of the pandemic and realized that schools were not transmitters of the virus. We knew it from the very beginning. Did they look at that? Nope. Did they look at any of the scientific research on it? Nope. Just threw all of that under the bus, threw your kids under the bus, shafted everybody's development, and some of these students are probably going to be dealing with psychological issues, if, if not for the rest of their lives, certainly hope not, for at least a couple of years. And who knows, with these suicides and the drug abuses and everything else that came because of the policies that people like Governor Holcomb implemented, who knows what damage has been done. All without any scientific basis or any studies at all backing them up. Yeah. You, you think I might be a little irritated at the governor? You all should be too. Because he still continues to lie to all of you and tries to poison your kids. It's not appropriate. He wants to be a senator? Remember that when he runs for Senate in this state. And you remember that Mike Braun attacked law enforcement when he runs for governor. More coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. We didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday. Also covered for Pat Miller, News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Thank you to the Fort Wayne audience for joining us as well. Sorry, didn't mean to bypass you all there. Um, <clears throat> we didn't get a chance to talk about this yesterday on Lars Larson's nationally syndicated show because he just had us on to talk about Gutless Holcomb running away from a challenge uh, and not protecting women's athletics in the state. But he also was going to talk to me, he just ran out of time, about the Indianapolis Black Lives Matter activist who firebombed a Portland building. And uh, he, he actually tried to kill police officers. So he traveled from Indianapolis. As I know that Fort Wayne, uh, that I know that WoWo gets into Indianapolis, and I know that a lot of people in Indianapolis listen to, listen to uh, WoWo. Um, this would, would have been obviously relevant to talk about because Lars Larson's in Portland. So this Black Lives Matter terrorist from Indianapolis goes to Portland, firebombs, tries to kill police officers, okay? Gets out on bail. That's right. He got out on bail trying to murder police officers and commit acts of domestic terrorism. Yeah, he gets out on bail. 
yet the people from January 6th get no bail. Even the ones, we just covered it, one of them who has just tried, uh, not tried, but he was uh, charged with nonviolent offenses, still has to be held for trial, even though he committed no act of violence. Still doesn't get out, right? Held without bail and, until the whole process plays out. Nope, not accused of any violent activity, nothing whatsoever. But a Black Lives Matter terrorist and Antifa terrorists, they get out. And we just had a uh, local guy in uh, Goshen, Indiana here. Uh, he has been arrested. He faces charges with January 6th and, and everything else that happened with the Capitol. Local news is calling it an attack because they're stupid. They don't know what they're doing. Um, and again, I, I'd have to look at the case a little bit more, but it's just interesting because I know that he's not going to get bail, right? He's not going to be given bail because, oh, January 6th, but this this BLM terrorist from Indianapolis who tried to murder police officers and actually committed domestic acts of terrorism, he, he's good. he got out. That's nice. What a, what a wonderful country we live in. Speaking of, Trump is suing Hillary Clinton. That's if she survives her COVID. And I hope that she does survive her COVID so she loses this lawsuit because this desperately needs to happen. So Trump is suing Hillary, also suing the Democratic National Committee, and uh, this is all over the Russia collusion narrative, which was a giant farce. And I'm wondering, because I know that it hasn't happened at a national level, but I'm wondering, because it hasn't happened at a local level here, in the Fort Wayne area, all of the dumpster fire news agencies that you have over there who told you that Trump colluded with Russia, have any of them issued full-page apologies for lying to all of you yet? Because it hasn't happened here, and it hasn't happened in the national media, so I'm just wondering, in Fort Wayne, did they take out full-page ads to apologize for intentionally lying to you? I'm going to assume that's a no. Donald Trump today sued Hillary Clinton and several other Democrats on the grounds that they attempted to rig the 2016 presidential election by creating a false narrative that tied his campaign to Russia. Remember, Casey's rule number, I'm just going to say it's one right now, but I'll probably change the number later when I remember what my other rules are. Uh, rule number one, everything the left accuses the right of doing, the left themselves are doing. If you go back to that timeline, we were talking about a very different story when the Russia collusion thing happened, and that was, why is it that the Ukrainian government is giving all of these documents on Donald Trump to Hillary Clinton? People were really upset about that. It's not illegal, by the way. You're allowed to do that. Colluding is not against the law. So even if he was colluding, it wouldn't have been a crime. Hillary was colluding with Ukraine. It wasn't a crime, but it was a story at the time. So then they went ahead and they pulled this Trump-Russia collusion thing out. They spun it around, even though Leon Panetta and, and uh, other people who are involved with Hillary Clinton's campaign uh, had much closer ties to Russia. Uh, but I digress. <clears throat> so the lawsuit filed in federal court in Florida. Attorneys for the former president wrote, acting in concert, the defendants maliciously conspired to weave a false narrative that their Republican opponent, Donald J. Trump, was colluding with a hostile foreign sovereignty. And, of course, we know that that wasn't true. We also know that this was a plot hatched by Hillary Clinton herself. That is no longer up for debate. So this is good. I hope he, I hope he sues her into oblivion. Uh, it'll depend on the courts and the judges involved in the courts and whether or not he actually gets any kind of justice here. 
But the other thing that he should do is he should sue every media outlet, too, uh, because they all lied. Adam Schiff should be in prison right now for what he did. Friendly reminder, um, one of the top people that Biden is promoting right now happens to be the guy who worked with Schiff and fell for the whole, we have naked photos of Donald Trump. Do you want him? Do you remember that thing? It was the Russian radio host prank. Yeah, one of the guys that uh, Joe Biden is, is appointing to some post right now is that guy who got fooled and handed that off to Adam Schiff. Good to know, right? Good to know the people who are so easily fooled by Russians are going to be involved in our government while the United States is dealing with a Russia problem. So that's that's nice to know. We've also got some additional news from the walrus, that special counsel John Durham. In his latest court filing, special counsel John Durham has requested a deadline extension for the production of classified discovery. In the filing, Durham reveals the Justice Department plans to produce classified materials related to Durham's investigation into Russiagate. To date, the government has produced over 60,000 documents to unclassified discovery. A portion of these documents were originally marked classified, and the government has worked with the appropriate declassification authorities to produce the documents in an unclassified format. Okay, They've got to go through, and they've got to strip out anything that's classified, and they have to make sure that anything that is not redacted is something that can be seen publicly. The other option here, is to just send them in emails to Hillary Clinton's server and then just release them and nobody will care. That's the other option. According to Durham, Russia's invasion of Ukraine contributed to delays in the production of classified discovery. The officials preparing and reviewing the documents at the FBI and intelligence agencies are heavily engaged in matters related to Ukraine, they wrote. Nevertheless, the government will produce a large volume of classified discovery this week and continue to do so in the near future. So it's coming. Remember, they're saying there's tons of indictments here, and it doesn't look good for a lot of people in the swamp. Casey Hendrickson here. Don't forget, you can watch the live stream, rumble.com slash Casey the host. Sign up for my newsletter at theburningtruth.us. And it is, well, it's 5.15. I'm Casey Hendrickson for 95.3 MNC, also covering for Pat Miller on Newstalk 1190, WOWO, 107.5 FM. Promo code Casey. No, it's true, though. Joe Biden was giving a speech in Europe today, and half of his head is flat. I swear to God, half of his head is flat. It was a straight-on thing. I'm like... That dude needs a MyPillow. MyPillow.com, promo code Casey. That's, that's just saying. All right. Those of us in Indiana don't know what it's like to have a real governor. We've never had one. Um, on the Michigan side of the border, you don't know what it's like to have a real governor either. You know what it's like to have a dictator, but you don't know what it's like to have a real governor. So what are we to do? Well, one of the things that we can do is we can look to a place that does have a real governor. We can look to Florida. And I've got eight lessons from the Ron DeSantis School of Dominating the Corrupt Media. It's an article in The Federalist by L. Reynolds. And I thought it was a, it was a pretty interesting take because DeSantis has been destroying the media ever since he's been governor in Florida. I mean, he's just been stellar. I don't know how else to say it. Um, there's a lot of people who have anxiety on the right. If Trump and DeSantis were to actually run against each other in the primary, 
people have no idea who they're going to vote for. They Seriously, they have no clue. Uh, I think DeSantis has the polished edge, but that's just me. I would be thrilled with either one of them. Number one, acknowledge the press has a narrative. In May of 2020, when the COVID panic media's predictions about Florida's COVID response were already being proven wrong, Daddy DeSantis, she didn't write that, I did. Daddy DeSantis didn't just call out their lies, he pointed to their motivation for lying. Our data is available, our data is transparent, so any insinuation otherwise is just typical partisan narrative trying to be spun. That's what he said. So, rule number one, acknowledge the press has a narrative. For example... Our local media right now is calling what happened on January 6th an attack. Was it an attack? No, it wasn't an attack. Why are they saying it's an attack? They have an agenda. Number two, don't call the media mainstream. Call them what they are. The more partisan and more partisan the big names in media, like the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC, and their ilk become, the more inaccurate it is to call them mainstream. Call them the corporate media, the propaganda press, legacy media, or use DeSantis's nickname for them, smear merchants. Um, I like to call people journalists, but that's just me. Sorry, Pat. Number three, you catch more flies with wit than boring press releases. Oh, man. Could Holcomb learn a lesson or two about this? Uh, DeSantis took notes from the former President Donald Trump's pension for cutting through forgettable politicians speak and leaning into one-liners and comebacks. A witty line will help people remember what you said, and that's not limited to media interactions. This used to be referred to as bumper sticker slogans, okay? And it was something that the Democrats always did very effectively. And you've heard me talk about as a political strategy for a long time on this show. Democrats will give you one-liners. Now, even if that one-liner is inaccurate, factually incorrect, or a blatant and total lie, doesn't matter as long as it was witty. This is pretty much 100% of late-night comedy, right? The Jon Stewart's and everybody else who's around, Colbert's and all of that, they're not right about anything. What they do is they deliver a one-line that is witty and humorous, and even if it's not true, it can make you chuckle. That's what people remember. And DeSantis does this very well. Trump did it very well. It is the latest form of propaganda. For years and years and years, conservatives would just take endless time to explain every minute detail of something. And they were factually correct. And and their goal was to teach. The problem is that the average person's eyes gloss over and they don't hear it. Whereas if you find a way to do one line that can fit on a bumper sticker, hence the term bumper sticker slogan, if you can put one line that can be fit on a bumper sticker that is witty and accurate, you can definitely win people over that way because that's what people remember. Number four, don't take the bait to fight your friends harder than your enemies. Also very true. In fact, Trump and DeSantis both proved this right when the media tried to turn Trump against DeSantis Uh, by claiming that Trump had insulted DeSantis when Trump did not insult Governor DeSantis. It didn't happen. And they didn't take the bait. Neither one of them did. The corporate media loves it when Republicans go after each other, whether it's never Trumpers piling on criticism of the former president, neocons smearing conservatives uh, who want to avoid war as Putin lovers, or National Review going after Senator Josh Hawley for questioning the Supreme Court nominee's soft on sex crimes record. 
Um, and by the way, I would encourage everybody to question the people at National Review who are going after Josh Hawley because I'm willing to bet that they have some inappropriate photos of children on their computers at home. Sorry, Pat. Uh, number five. Don't be cowed by ad hominem attacks. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you've been watching me uh, teach a master class on this for many, many years. Last April, CBS's 60 Minutes ginned up a fake scandal about DeSantis, smearing him for using the ubiquitous Florida grocery store Publix to help distribute COVID vaccines. Instead of being intimidated by the smear, DeSantis hit back. When you're talking about this ridiculous smear narrative, it's important to break down just how false, how thoroughly dishonest it is, because this is bad for our country to have big corporate media smearing for profit just because I'm in the other party than them and using their partisanship to craft narratives regardless of the facts. There you go. That's a good one. You remember when they were running out of things to attack DeSantis on, so they tried to make it about he wouldn't show up to briefings unless donuts were available? Remember that? Yeah, that's that's how low the media actually got. Yeah, when it's an ad hominem attack, just call it an ad hominem attack. <laughs> it's like, okay, you redirect now and actually make a point. Number six, quit trying to make the corrupt media like you. Oh, my gosh. Do I have... Here's the thing. It's not just about the corrupt media. It's not, okay? Um, John McCain always made this mistake. John McCain was the media's favorite person until John McCain ran for president, and then John McCain became uh, the worst version of Hitler since actual Hitler. Remember that? And then after John McCain lost, the same media that called him Hitler, all of a sudden, and they actually called him Hitler, all of a sudden they wanted him on their shows again, and they wanted to, to joke around with him again. Yeah, no, don't do that. Don't play that game. There's a lot of people who get in this business because they want to meet famous people. They want to rub elbows with power brokers in, in the state and in the country. Most of you know I don't care about that. That's why I don't have any friends in, in upper politics. It's, it's not in my nature. My, my job is to give you information that is accurate and true. You do with that information what you want with it. My job is not to sit here and um, be a version of a fluffer for politicians to lie to all of you. That is not my job. I got better things to do with my time than to go to cocktail parties with politicians and things of that nature. When I do an event, there's a reason to do an event. There's a lot of others in this business. That's not the case. And those are the folks that you have got to be careful. Must be careful with them. Number seven, don't waste energy on issues the press says matter that actually don't. Right. Yeah, I, I really don't know what else to tell you. Um, Man-made global warming is not a real thing. The science on it is conclusive. It's not happening. And if it were happening, it wouldn't be because of your stupid car. And all of scientific history and all of the temperature data of that proves it. They have never had a single solitary prediction ever come true. Period. End of story. There's nothing else to say about it. And nobody actually cares about the issue except white, rich, liberal women. They're the only ones that care. The only ones who care. And the only reason they care is because they drink boxed wine at their fake book clubs every day and they try to up the social credit score about how much better they are than their other white, rich, liberal women friends. Casey, I know a liberal guy who believes in man-made global warming. He's trying to have 
<clears throat> relations with white, rich, liberal women. He doesn't act. Sorry, Pat. He doesn't actually believe in any of it. Unless, of course, he needs a testosterone supplement, which I can help him with at Nutrition HQ. Number eight, just stop trusting the corporate press for Pete's sake. Thank you. And that includes every single solitary thing that you're hearing about Russia and Ukraine. <sighs> Let's be honest. You all need to hire me to be your motivational speaker and walk around with you every single day. You would be better people with me around you. MNC News Time is 531. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson, also covering for Pat Miller on News Talk 1190, 107.5 FM. Um, I promised to only apologize to Pat once per show. I think I've apologized six times today. So, honestly, we're honest, I could have apologized two more. It's perfectly honest with you, but um, I'll talk about the uh, the convoy. Uh, I try to give uh, updates on the the trucker convoy every couple of days, you know, try to at least give you two a week. There's an article that's been written about them in American Thinker, <clears throat> and it's by Michael Letts. It's a good article. They talked about how in Washington, D.C., after George Floyd uh, passed away, you know, the criminal that they pretended, I don't, I don't need to get into all the details. You know what I'm talking about. Um, they painted Black Lives Matter in a large letter on, what, 16th Street, I think, in Washington, D.C., Okay. Uh, BLM is a domestic terrorist organization. They're a Marxist organization. Um, they are a massive money laundering scheme. That's who they are. Okay, They don't care about, they, they will only exploit certain cases when they feel like they can make the biggest impact. They don't care about other cases where uh, there might be a victim who is black, but, you know, maybe the demographics of the city won't help them get riots and protests and things of that nature. And you should also know, if you happen to be a black man listening to this, Black Lives Matter hates black men. The people who founded it um, are very much against black men being involved in the family or being a part of the household. They want nothing to do with you. What you are is your useful little foot soldiers for them to throw out on the street and sacrifice for their greater cause. And that's the unfortunate reality. While they steal money from people and attempt to murder other people and press a racist narrative, uh, get away from them as fast as you possibly can. If you are a young black man who's looking to be active in your community and deal with real issues, find yourself a pastor who's been doing this for years and isn't getting any attention. Focus on that person because that's the one doing good work in your community, not BLM. So anyway, the truckers weren't allowed to paint a street over in Washington, D.C., they aren't even allowed into the capital city of their country. They were banished to the Beltway, allowed only to circle D.C. There we go. They talked about Mayor Bowser wanted to make it abundantly clear that this is D.C.'s street and to honor demonstrators uh, who were peacefully protesting on Monday evening. This, too, could apply to the truck driver and even more so since many of the D.C. protesters weren't peacefully demonstrating, yada, yada, yada. So they're using January 6th once again. Uh, to prevent the truckers who have not committed any violence in Canada or in the United States whatsoever. When the convoy arrived in Maryland on March 3rd, they began working with law enforcement agencies to ensure that their travels around Washington, D.C. Beltway 
would be peaceful and safe. The groups met daily, mapped out the route for the day. Law enforcement was all apprised of all of this, and they were a part of it. We were doing those updates. We talked with people on the convoy, um, and we brought that content for all of you. Okay? That changed in the middle of the month. The People's Convoy website issued a press release that read, in part, despite the convoy's active, transparent, and daily communication with special agents from both the Metropolitan D.C. Police Department and the Maryland State Police Department and D.C. Metro Police have blocked all entrances to the U.S. Capitol for the uh, the past two days. Snow plows at barricades and barricades were utilized to block off, off ramps. Unfortunately, this not only illegally stopped the trucks from entering the city, but stopped all vehicles, causing even more backups, delays, and frustration. At times, traffic came to a standstill and drivers exited their vehicles. And of course, they all blame this on the truck drivers. Just like when Obama closed down the park during the fake government shutdown, the park wasn't a part of the shutdown, but he shut it down because the veterans are going to be in the park and he didn't want uh, he didn't want the park to be open. He wanted to cause maximum amount of damage for political leverage. So he threw veterans under the bus because Barack Obama doesn't care about veterans in this country at all. The districts of Columbia were monitoring and prepared for demonstration activity this afternoon. Homeland Security Emergency Manager Agency Director Christopher Rodriguez said in a statement, it read the Metropolitan Police Department implemented targeted traffic control measures as part of our layered mitigation strategy to minimize disruptions to our residents and businesses by keeping large commercial vehicles off our surface streets. This included delivery trucks for businesses in the city. So how did that minimize disruptions? Right. Instead, it maximized the disruption in commuters to commuters traveling to the Beltway. The press release concluded, it is a deliberate abuse of power as law enforcement strips First Amendment rights away from hardworking taxpayers who merely want to make a statement, peacefully traveling on taxpayer-funded streets. Exactly. The officials in Washington didn't learn anything from watching what happened in Ottawa, Canada earlier this year during the Freedom Convoy. Canadian officials took drastic actions against peaceful citizens to drive them out of the city. While those actions eventually worked, they lost the trust of the citizens they claimed to protect. In essence, they won the battle, but they will lose the war. You have to remember all of this stuff. Americans have, <clears throat> we have a very short memory. We've got to start remembering this stuff long term. We've got to hold people accountable. DC's already lost. DC's the most liberal place in the country. But there are other places where you can make an impact. And maybe not elect people who don't have chins. More coming up. 95.3 MNC. Also covered for Pat Miller. Our News Talk 1190. 107.5 FM. I got it. We're doing some training in here, folks, so we apologize. Everything's going great, though. She's doing fantastic. So, Amelia's going to be a great addition to the team. <sighs> Known as the Queen of the North. <clears throat> All right. Man, so much stuff uh, that we could talk about. We didn't get to the Project Veritas stuff today. Um, we, we haven't got to a lot today. Uh, I did talk about this on the early show in greater detail. And in the early show... On rumble.com slash Casey, the host, you can actually see the pictures. NBC News, who is fake news, 
Uh, NBC News actually edited a bunch of photos about the trans swimmer Leah Thomas. So a photographer took a bunch of photos, uploaded them to Getty Images, and NBC went and, and got the images and then heavily photoshopped them. And the person who photoshopped them uh, really sucks at Photoshop. It should probably be fired. It's probably some intern or something like that. But they did a Photoshop on Leah Thomas to soften the manly features of Leah Thomas in order to make them look more feminine. And really, it looks like a hatchet job that I, I would compare it to like the old glamour shots that used to have in the malls. Really bad. But NBC did this. Which, first of all, is a violation of the intellectual property rights of the photographer, but they also did this to lie to their audience and manipulate their audience into thinking that Leah Thomas wasn't as masculine as they really are. Sorry, Pat. I'll be covering for Pat Miller tomorrow as well. Here's Bill O'Reilly.